Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Explore and Engage with Anam. Former President Donald Trump's mugshot is now circulating all over the world through internet. The left wanted to humiliate our former president, Donald Trump, using the legal system and by getting his mugshot. But guess what? The mugshot has further energized Trump supporters, and even people who were not solid Trump supporters are now going to support Trump. And you may ask why. It is because there are sensible voters who can see how left-wing politicians are going after their political opponent by using the justice system. And in fact, this is injustice. It is a big example of injustice when you see what our former president, Donald Trump, is going through. A lot of sensible American voters are going to make a decision about their choice for 2024, and they are going to support Trump because they don't like what is being done to a former president, what our former president, Donald Trump, has to go through, the unfair treatment, the injustice that Donald Trump is facing will increase the number of people who support him for the 2024 presidential election. The mugshot is now on t-shirts, mugs, posters, and people are buying all these products. The mugshot will help Donald Trump get tremendous amounts of campaign contributions as support for his candidacy increases. Donald Trump, let me tell you, my friends, Donald Trump is more popular than ever before. Look at the number of people who watched Donald Trump's interview with Tucker Carlson. Last I checked on on X, formerly known as Twitter, last I checked, the video has been viewed more than 260 million times. Amazing number. The mugshot. The mugshot will not stop Trump supporters. The Trump train is strong and moving forward at full speed, and that is very, very obvious. One of Donald Trump's top priorities is to secure the southern border. That was his priority when he campaigned in 2016. And since the arrival of Joe Biden's administration, we have seen the influx of millions of illegal immigrants. And so the next Republican president must address the border crisis. Look at what's happening in New York City. New York residents are unhappy as government spends more and more taxpayer dollars on migrants. There are protests because government officials are trying to come up with new locations for housing migrants. There was a protest outside St. John Villa Academy, a former Catholic school, which has been chosen for housing migrants. People are concerned about the safety and well-being of of community members. There's tension on Staten Island 
because governments because of government's efforts to disrupt neighborhoods by housing unknown migrants in the community and new yorkers are rejecting what city of new york officials are trying to do city of new york officials are spending huge sums of money on migrants and they are trying to find new places to house migrants and in that effort by trying to find new places new locations for housing these unknown migrants and we don't know where they are from we don't know who they are we don't know anything about their background and and so as government officials are trying to find new locations in new york for housing these migrants new yorkers are very very upset hard working new york city residents are upset because they don't want to see their communities being disrupted and disturbed by the arrival of these unknown migrants. And so there's a lot of tension in New York City, on Staten Island. And so going back to the question of border security, the next Republican president must start securing the border on day one in office. And what does that mean? That means building a physical barrier. Now you can call it a wall, you can call it a fence. What I'm trying to say is that we need a physical barrier that will help secure our southern border. And then we need to use personnel to patrol the region and to prevent foreign nationals from entering the United States illegally. And that means we must deploy border patrol agents and ensure that no foreign national can come into the United States illegally then we must also use technology such as drones to do surveillance in the border region and to make sure that foreign nationals are not entering the United States illegally. All right, friends, let me switch to another topic. And I don't know how many of you have heard this already, but the Biden administration has an alcohol czar whatever that means, an alcohol czar. And the alcohol czar reportedly may limit beers to two per week. So this alcohol czar that the Biden administration has may recommend that Americans do not consume more than two beers per week. And I'm not sure how popular that is going to be here in the United States of America. Let me just say that I personally do not consume alcohol. I don't drink beer. I don't drink wine. I don't drink whiskey or rum or vodka or any alcohol product. I don't drink alcohol. I never drank alcohol in my life and I don't plan on drinking alcohol. And that is because it's a choice that I have made. It's a personal choice that I have made in my life. But that's my choice. Other people can make their own decisions regarding whether or not they want to drink alcohol. I do know that alcohol is very popular here in the United States and very, very, very popular here in Wisconsin. People in Wisconsin, they love their beer. And of course, I believe that everything should be consumed in moderation, whether it's food or alcohol. Too much of food will cause people to be overweight or obese. 
it can lead to health problems, and then too much alcohol will also be harmful for uh, human health, as we know. But but let's let's talk about this this alcohol czar. This alcohol czar that the Biden administration has will reportedly uh, is likely to recommend that American people consume no more than two beers per week. Now, right now, the American guidelines say that men must limit themselves to two drinks per day and women should have only one drink. And as I have seen in the news, these guidelines are up for review in 2025. And so the government, as I have observed, and I'm sure many of you agree, the government likes to limit people's freedom by coming up with recommendations and guidelines and mandates. Remember the vaccine mandate? Remember that? That was a mandate, right, of the vaccine mandate? And now in this case, this alcohol czar reportedly may may come up with new recommendations and guidelines regarding how much alcohol Americans should consume. If the government can say how many drinks Americans should have in a day or week, the question is what else can the government do? The next thing likely would be a milk czar who would say how many glasses of milk a person can have in a week or how much of meat a person can consume in a week or how many miles a person should drive in a day. In short, my friends, what I'm trying to tell you is that the government likes to control people's lives. And and the latest example is this report that there's an alcohol czar who may try to recommend that American people consume no more than uh, two beers per week. Okay, share with me your thoughts, my friends. As, as I've said before, I believe in freedom. I think people should make their own decisions about their life, whether it's their personal life, whether it's uh, it's a question of medical freedom, whether to get a vaccine or not. People should have complete freedom to decide what they want to do. So share with me your thoughts regarding this alcohol czar and what recommendations, what new recommendations are likely uh, to come from the federal government. I want to hear your opinion on this matter. So go to tossifanam.net, send me a message, connect with me on social media, and let me know your thoughts. Okay, my friends, um, before I conclude today's episode, there's something else that I would like to discuss, and that is uh, that that is something that pertains to generations. You know, generations after generations, we we see the silent generation, the baby boomer generation, Generation X, millennials, and Gen Z. Now, um, I I keep hearing lots of criticisms about Gen Z, Generation Z. People say that Generation Z folks, they they don't want to work, they are not serious about their life and career, that Gen Z individuals spend a lot of time on their phones, that they are lazy, and so on and so forth. I'm sure many of you have heard this. Now, now who's Gen Z? First, let's define who's Gen Z. Gen Z are people born in the years from 1997 to around 
2010. Some will say 2010, some say 2011, 12, but you know, it's around that time. So here's my question. Who raised Gen Z? Who handed a cell phone to Gen Z? Who was in charge of educating Gen Z? The older generations, correct? Gen Z did not invent the smartphone, but they learned to use it because the older generations handed them smartphones. When Gen Z children went to school, the teacher was probably not a Gen Z person. The teacher was likely someone from the older generation. The parents who raised Gen Z kids were people from older generations. So I think any flaws that Gen Z individuals may have, the blame for that should go to the older generations. I am a millennial, and I remember how older generations would blame millennials and call them lazy. That's no longer the case. Now, the older generations are blaming Gen Z. I I think there's a trend that we see across generations that older generations blame the younger generations. But but, But the interesting thing is that the older generations create the path that younger generations walk on. The older generations raise the younger generations. They create the world that younger generations enter. The world that the millennials inherited were shaped by the older generations. Similarly, the world that Gen Z inherited were created by the silent generation and by the baby boomers and Gen X. So I I, I think this is something that folks must remember before calling Gen Z all kinds of names like lazy and stubborn and it you know, so on and so forth. I I think each generation has gifts. Each generation contributes something valuable to the world. And uh, that's a, if we want to discuss each generation individually, it'll be a very long conversation. So I'm, I'm not going to go into that broad of a discussion in this episode. Let me tell you, my friends, my favorite generation Guess what? It is the millennial generation. And some may say, oh, you are a millennial. That's why you like the millennial generation. Maybe that's the case. I don't know. But my favorite generation is the millennial generation. And perhaps in some other episode, I will explain the reason for my choice. Of course, as I said, I'm a millennial myself. And maybe that's why I like millennials. My friends, Share with me your thoughts, whether you're a baby boomer, Gen X, millennial, Gen Z. If you're listening to my podcast, please share with me your thoughts. Let me know what you think. And I hope to be back again soon with a new episode of Explore and Engage with Anand.